have the MMGA, Normal, Patients and Families United, Alliance for Cannabis Science, Americans for Safe Access, which was here a couple weeks ago. It's not enough. It's just not enough. Every one of these organizations has a hell of a time collected money. And I'm going to be honest with you, I have a dispensary. I can afford $100 a month, I can afford $200 a month. I can help this cause, but I'm not doing it alone. Um, I haven't collected a paycheck since November, and I don't think I'm going to get one until 2013, and I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> but anyway, a lot of this networking and these conventions we're going to have in every market every other month, we're going to get people involved, invite politicians, anybody that wants to speak, we'll invite the opposition. It doesn't really matter. What this is about is networking, letting people know the other businesses exist. I run a magazine. I like to think I know everybody. I don't know, like 10 people, 10 booths here. It, I mean, it's new businesses are stopping, starting up all the time. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I don't think it's time to shut down at all. Um, this is something we all believe in. We now have patients from 18 to 80 years old. Every one of us do. And we see how it affects every single person that we, every life we touch, it touches four or five more lives. And if we can erase this stigma, if we can actually have some professionalism, some organization, there's no telling what we can do with our voters. I'm serious. This is a huge voting block. We organize overnight. We're the largest organization. We really are. And we can become one of the most influential voices there is. We've got people against us. Columbia Grain, Pat Keen, lobbies all the time. You can't hire anybody. Everybody's stoned. Nobody can pass a drug test. In a state with almost 20% unemployment, nobody can pass a drug test. I asked him about this, and he said, well, yeah, 100%. Can't hire anybody. God, really? I go, since 2004? He goes, well, no, 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 no. Since the Obama blew this up. Okay, the Obama blew it up. All right, I get it. So what about the guy you hired a month and a half ago in Plentywood? Oh, well, my stats were compiled before February, and I told him I'm going to find out everybody you've hired in the last two years. Everybody. He walked away very frustrated, but you know what? That's what it takes. It takes somebody to go up and shake that guy's hand, smile, be his friend for like a second or two, tell him you're a medical marijuana advocate, and then his face turns red and he don't know what to say. So, and that's true. We all, all of us can do that. All of us can call these people out. You gotta ask them, why the hell are you against us? Well, I was like, why would grain people be against us? Grain? Really, you got 100 employees in the whole state, you testify every time. Okay, um, grain. So, we had some research done, and I remember who it was, but thanks very much. He, Rose, Rose, that's right. How did I forget that? But anyway, he's paid by Miller Brewing, by Tavern Association, by all oh, just, everybody. So, if, I mean, how do we do that? You know, I don't know. I don't know, but we're getting there, and I think events like this are going to start that. You know, we hope, like I said, we'll do this. You'll see me everywhere this summer. I'll be talking about this all summer long to as many people as I can. We do have a, I believe, a great politician behind us right now, Dave Wanzerine. He'll be here tomorrow at one o'clock. Um, we hope to have plenty of media here. This is a, it's a big issue. It's the biggest issue in our state. It's a big issue in the country. And other states do have politicians that fully support them, and they have support among their constituents. Here's always been, they're very afraid. I had spoken with Senator Watson-Reed, and I said, we need some amendments. And he said, well, you're running out of time. I go, well, you know what, we've been asking. We have been asking. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid. I'm not blaming them. But they're afraid. They don't know what they're going to say. I'm like, listen, look at the polls. 70% of us believe in this. Statewide, at least 70%. 79% This this community voted for medical marijuana. And we have a politician right now from this community basically fighting us. It is unbelievable. Why would she do this? 
who knows? I think she's losing it, I guess. But, uh, but anyway, if anybody on this panel here who wants to have their presentation, I'd like John to speak, and okay, wants to speak. I bet Katrina wants to speak. <laughs> who wants to go next? I'm just going to tell you who I am, because I assume that's all we're really doing, and then it's questions. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm Kate Kaleva. I've been lobbying for the Alliance for Cannabis Science this session. I've been a lobbyist and involved in politics for about 21 years. Um, this is, uh, I got involved in this issue just because it was absolutely fascinating. I think the science is absolutely fascinating, and I think the politics and the economics are um, are profound, and I think that this is, um, it's a social justice movement, it's an economic movement, it's a culture-changing phenomenon um, that I find irresistible. More of an interjectory peanut gallery sort of speaker, not really, don't really have a presentation. Um, I have an analysis laboratories. My name is Rosa B. And I've, I've just become involved in this. Um, a few years ago, a guy came to me and said, wouldn't it be awesome if somebody tested my marijuana? And I was like, well, I test plants for a living. That'd be fantastic. What a good idea. And I couldn't believe that no one else was doing it. And I couldn't believe that, uh, I just thought that this was a level of quality control that the industry needed. And as I became more involved in the industry and more involved in, in the science behind cannabis and how it's affecting people's lives, um, you know, I'm a scientist, I've learned things, it's, and, it, and it changes my mind, and I, and, I, and I couldn't believe that there were so many other people that didn't know that. And uh, I, I just became very passionate about educating people, and, and I, as a scientist, thought that when I presented evidence to people and studies to people, that perhaps they would come over to my side, and it's been a stunning disappointment with our legislators this session, the level of caveman mentality that has been... Um, promoted and, and it's been going on during our legislature and it's stunning but uh, I've been to Helena you know, many many times in the last year trying to just present them with simple facts that they can understand and say please see that this this can go somewhere let's manage it let's figure it out and uh, let's, let's stop being afraid of it there's nothing to be afraid of Uh, Doug Shiat with Montanans for Responsible Legislation. We're another uh, lobbying group that's been working in Helena uh, this past year. Uh, public education group are kind of the, the troublemakers in the industry here, I guess. Uh, but push the agenda somehow. Uh, but, you know, Ed, Ed brought up a couple great points about, you know, voter registration and driving people to the polls. Uh, our, our voter turnout was, was so incredibly poor uh, last election. We saw a sweep of religious right folks taking uh, take the reins of lawmaking and and it kind of emboldened uh, the prohibitionists because the candidates, the green vote, didn't show up to the polls. Uh, so, like I said, we have 30,000 people registered patients. Uh, normal projections are 12% of the population of the state of Montana, 120,000 people use cannabis either for religious, recreational, or medicinal reasons. Uh, that's one-third of the population that turns out to vote in any given election. Usually have about 30% voter turnout uh, for any election. So we can spin any election. Uh, we can elect our own candidates. We can put green candidates in office that will write laws that will help us, but it takes all of you guys, and it takes the caregivers driving their patients to the polls, registering patients to vote, yeah. and getting them out there. Uh, and until we, we 
wake the sleeping giant in the Greenville, we won't be taken seriously. So it's, uh, it's time to step it up. Uh, if you guys are fed up with police harassment, with having your door kicked in, worrying about having your dog being shot, your kids taken away, it's, it's time to do something. Uh, so appreciate you guys being involved. Thanks for letting me speak in. Here. I thought we were just doing introductions, but I'm going to also tell you the state of the state with the um, legislation that's out there right now. Um, are, how, do, how many people feel they're kind of up to speed? They're tracking on it. Okay. All right. So right now, the bill that's in play is Senate Bill 423. Now, as this legislative session has moved forward, there's probably been six or seven different regulatory models that have been born and faded away. Um, Senate Bill 423 came out of the Senate. So the Senate received all these different regulatory bills, and they said, as a committee, we're going to write our own bill. And they assigned three members to it, um, Vincent, Larson, and Esmin. And Esmin was the chair, not good on the issue. And they designed a model that they were from the Senate, from the committee, and this was the model that had a nonprofit model. You had a board of five people. Um, there was no storefronts. Instead, couriers had to drive around um, in cars. The patient would um, call the provider and say, "I'd like four cookies and a quarter ounce." Then they call the courier. Please go pick up my cookies and my quarter ounce. The courier calls law enforcement. I will be transporting a cookie. And then does the drive. This was the model that the Senate came out with. Um, so that model gets passed to the House. The House receives it. They have a hearing scheduled. And within two days before the hearing, there's two brand new models. Um, one came from... Um, prohibitionists to, to make it much worse, um, to make it that you, if you got caught with cannabis, you go to court, and if you can prove you were using it for medicinal reasons, you're not arrested. Um, and then there was a very wonderful set of amendments that came from Representative Noonan that would have basically made it work, made it so people could, you, you know, they got rid of the couriers, it, it just made the system run smoothly. So... Those were the two ways people were going to try to amend the little courier bill. Oh no, the night before though, four people, you know, got into a phone booth together and came up with a brand new idea. Um, and that is the idea that is um, currently out there, which is, um, so this, the state of the legislation right now is that a grower, whatever they're calling it, provider, can have three patients, but really they can only have one. They can have up to three if two of them are blood relatives. Um, no compensation, so it's free marijuana, um, but also if you're the grower, you cannot be a patient. So if you're a patient, you need to find someone who's not a patient who's willing to grow cannabis for you for free. This is their um, big idea. And so that's, that's the idea, so that's the bill that's in play. Um, there's other, actually there's no, the list of qualifying conditions is no longer there, although they want to put it back in. Um, so that bill passed out of the Human Services Committee. It went to appropriations, which has to do with money, so this was the place where they go, all right, if we do this, what will it cost the state? And there's a fiscal note, it's called, that tells you that. But they didn't get the fiscal note done. Nonetheless, it went through the budget committee, passed out unanimously, 
and it will be on the House floor on Monday. So the House will vote on it. They will probably, they will pass it. Who knows, they might amend it. It's not going to get good. Then they'll send it to the Senate, who will have to say, we agree to the changes, but they won't. And then the bill will go to a committee of some House members and some Senate members, and heaven knows what they'll do there. Um, so the governor is sitting, has got the um, repeal bill that he's sitting on, uh, which he will, you know, I think everybody's believing will veto. And so some bill will arrive on his desk, which he can either veto or he can do an amendatory veto, meaning he changes it and sends it back to the legislature. But I think they're trying to run down the clock to keep that from happening. But even if he did do that, they'd have to approve of it. And there's no way this legislature would approve of anything the governor wants. So anyway, that's the lay of the land. Awesome. Uh, so I'm Katrina Horn. <laughs> I get to be involved and do wonderful things with Montana's for Responsible Legislation. I have a shop downtown, uh, Garden Mother Herbs, and have been working kind of through this process the best that I can. I think it's been a bit frustrating. Uh, at the end of the day, the best thing I could take out of it is that I know a lot more people, and I like them a lot, and I feel like uh, maybe if it weren't for all this insanity, it wouldn't have driven us so much closer together. And right now, that's exactly what we need. We need people to come a lot closer together. What I'm experiencing, um, coming from the standpoint of a caregiver and a grower, is that there are a lot of people right now who don't want to renew their cards. They don't want to take the time to go to a doctor and pay the money to get their card renewed because they feel like it's just going to be pulled away from them anyway and they're going to be out that money. Um, at this point, again, I feel like that's not bringing us together. It's not uniting us. And it puts me in a position where I can't really help them because then I'm going to be providing to somebody with an expired card. And I feel like it's not the best time to play off of just fear. I think it's a really good time just to feel like, you know what, we've come this far, and yes, it is messy in areas, but find who your groups are. Find, you know, there's the, the beauty of it is, is that as a, as a care provider, I don't feel like I'm against any other care providers. I feel like these, this is my family. These are people I would recommend hopefully because I believe in their business practices. There are people who, again, I would want to come to and say, can you help? Do you have money? I mean, no, I don't want to go around and ask everybody for money, but that's just the point that we're at. And Ed made a valid point. We have to have a pool of money to protect, and it goes into everyone. I know that you know within Montana Normal, there's been so much work done. If you get on the website, you can look and find access to lawyers, and there's just, in generally, just trying to help people and support people. And that's what it takes is a lot of support. And it takes so much energy and time. If you haven't been to Helena yet, if you haven't gone to testify, you should be there at least once, maybe a hundred times. And you can be frustrated just like everybody else, but you'll feel connected. Then you'll kind of see the faces and the stretched fake smiles and they're quivering to next get off the floor. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it's an empowering experience. And honestly, I know a lot of us have become so politically involved and active because of the cannabis issue, which hopefully will roll over into a whole lot of other issues now because now we've got our feet in the water. We know what it takes to go to Helena. We know what it takes to, you know, be there. And lots of people here get to run, get to be politically active. You're smart folks. We have a lot of power, a lot of power. And it's not a time to back down. It's a time to keep your smiles going, the real ones, and move forward. And 
You know, every single day, there's something that you could be doing. Every single day. And people here will get into it and they'll talk about different areas that you can get on for the news blasts, where you can find out who to contact on which days, even if you're not real savvy and you feel like you're disconnected. There's people doing the work for you. They're doing it for you. Hey, guess what? This is what's happening in Hellington today. Here's who you can contact and this is what needs to be said. Work's been done for you. All you have to do is make a phone call, get on your computer, just be involved and tell your friends and tell your family members because we're getting right to that crunch time and it's really, really important. So that's my encouraging words. Thanks so much. Many of you know me, I'm John Masterson. I'm the director and founder of Montana Normal. It's the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. I've got to say that I am sick to death of medical marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> there is no reason for the government to have an interest in what herbs I'm growing in my backyard and consuming as a responsible adult. There is no reason for criminal justice resources to be spent throwing um, someone in jail basically every day in Missoula where we pass Initiative 2 to uh, make marijuana crimes the lowest possible priority. There is uh, no reason for um, this ridiculous uh, legislative proposals that uh, are really nothing more than repeating the disguise. Um, and so um, I've been doing this for 13 years, um, and uh, I do have some cause for optimism. Um, I think that um, while, yes, this has all been horribly frustrating, um, there has been um, that frustration is, is energy, it is power. And um, I've talked to an awful lot of people who have, uh, have been so disgusted by this legislative process um, that, uh, that they are, they feel empowered, they're ready to step up to something. They're ready to at least um, collect some signatures for an initiative. Um, they are ready to, um, to, to write a check. They are ready to uh, forego their uh, previous loyalty to uh, the Republican Party, who's been horrible on this issue. Um, and, and instead support Democratic candidates solely because of the cannabis issue. Um, so, as, uh, as Doug mentioned, I, I hope now that the, uh, the, the giant is awakening, and uh, this, the great green giant, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and, and so soon, I think, um, in 2011, we'll have at least one city council candidate that I hope everyone will support, um, who is uh, loud and proud on legalization. Um, that's Cynthia Wilkin, um, and she is uh, <laughs> smart and savvy and, um, and works in a broad range of important social justice issues, and, and she thinks this is one of them. Um, and then in 2012, of course, uh, we'll, we'll likely be asked to, to, uh, to vote on some, some sort of marijuana policy, um, and uh, my hope is that uh, we'll have the chance to vote, and I'm working towards this, uh, on uh, re removing all criminal penalties for all adults. Thanks, John. Um, my name is Taylor Lang, I'm the Missoula Chapter Director of the Montana Medical Growers Association. Um, and I've had the pleasure of going out to Helena quite a, quite a lot over the last year and a half. And it's been really interesting to see how the whole legislative process, um, how it works, and uh, sometimes more often than that, how it doesn't work. And um, I applaud all of the incredibly hard work that each and every member of this panel has, has put forth uh, so far. Um, you know, Rose, the testimony that she gave uh, at the last hearing was absolutely incredible. Um, some of the most powerful stuff. I mean, it moved me to tears. So, so thank you very much, John.
the work that you've done here for the last 13 years, Kate, you know, just being out there every time, Doug, I mean, all of these people, just, just amazing, amazing, amazing people. I just give a round of applause to everyone. <laughs> One of the points that, um, that Doug brought up, and, and that's, that's, that's pretty neat, is that 260,000 some odd people in the state of Montana are <coughs> running for initiative 148. Okay? A quarter of the population of this state. That makes up 62% of the voting population of the state. Just a quarter of the population. So there's still three quarters of the population out there who don't even vote. We have a wonderful opportunity here because of the fact that there are so many candidates in the state of Montana. We have such a small population. We only have a population of a million people. So just a few people can make a huge difference in this state. The number of cannabis users, according to government statistics, has stayed static for the last, I don't know, from 2002, 10 years, whatever. Um, it's, it's probably, and we would guess somewhere in, in the amount of maybe 10% of the population, okay, 100,000 Montanans. And that number has stayed static. Now, you'll hear all the time these statements, these eloquent things that come out of politicians' mouths about what a tidal wave this is, and what a tsunami and we've been compared to natural disasters and scourges and all kinds of terrible things like that. The reality of the matter is, is that for the very first time ever, 30,000 brave Montanans put their names on a registry and on a list that said, you know what, I don't want to be prosecuted for this. This is something that helps me. This is something that's therapeutic to me. As John says many, many times, these aren't people who are criminals or people who are abusing the system. These are people who are eager to comply with a system that keeps them out of jail for something that they have no business being in jail for anyway. That's very powerful. That's very powerful. One of the things that I found here, and, and particularly here in Missoula, um, that's made me Pretty sad is, is the amount of apathy that surrounds this issue, especially from people within the community. My, my MMGA meetings that I've had have been very sparsely attended, to be quite honest with you. Um, I get calls only when there's something bad that happens, repeal passes out of the house or something like that, and then my phone will blow for a day or a day and a half. And then the calls subside. People forget on July 1st, there is the very real potential that the only people that will have cannabis in their possession are either law enforcement or criminals. That's a very real prospect. If that, that can happen either with, with the repealable HB 161, or it can happen if SB 423 passes in its current form, because it repeals the current Medical Marijuana Act, and then it gives three months, and, and at that point, every patient has to turn in all their cannabis, all their caregivers, turn in all your cannabis, and it gives law enforcement three months to make sure there's no more pot in the state. Wait a second. If there's already 100,000 Montanans who are using cannabis at least once a month, according to the government's own statistics, how can they possibly do that? Well, I'll tell you one way they can do it. Registry information, everything that's out there, if repeal were to pass, or Forbes 43 were to pass in its current form, that registry information could go directly to law enforcement. They could go then and knock on all 28,000 of our doors just to make sure, hey, do you have any pot in your house? You know, and if you do, it's at that point a Schedule One narcotic. 
You will be tried. You will be charged. You will be arrested. It's not what I want for myself, for the people that I care about, for all the people that are here. We are not criminals. We do not deserve to go to jail for this. Um, apathy. Apathy is a son of a bitch, and it's going to kill us if we don't pull together. Um, you know, there's, there's a very old saying that, 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 that happened at the time of the American Revolution. And a very famous man said, if we do not hang together, surely we will hang separately. And that is true. And that is very true right now. I would urge each and every one of you to, to, to get active, to do just one little thing. To talk to one person who's not involved in the industry. Talk to anybody. I do it all the time. I go say, oh yeah, well, my name's Taylor. Involved in the cannabis industry, you know, I go out and I've been going to Helena for the last year and a half on my own dime as a citizen lobbyist. I get paid to do that. I drove out to Helena the other day. I had 14 cents in my bank account. I used my last 20 to get out there and back. You know, <laughs> and so you know, it's just we need more people to become involved in that and really understand what this is about. This is a social revolution, and it needs all of our participation. Because the people that you see sitting here on the panel are working incredibly hard. I know there are a lot of other people who are sitting here amongst these walls and in these audiences who are working incredibly hard. Take that momentum and keep the snowball moving down the hill. It's, it's time. The time is now. So thanks, you guys. Well, that's going to be hard to follow. Um, my name's Nate Sand. With Total Holistic Center and just kind of all around random person who wants to play music today. Uh, what I think you've heard from all the other panelists holds a lot of weight. It's really on our shoulders at this point to really keep this movement going. And it's really upon the people that are here that actually gave up a Saturday, our first beautiful Saturday in a long time, <laughs> that actually care enough to be here to do the work that is ahead of us. And I'm, I'm going to talk about something a little bit further down the road if we don't end up, if we end up with a 161 or some form of 423 that you guys don't agree with, um, I'm really going to try to explain something that I would like to see happen. There's a state that has a very similar kind of uh, events that we have been seeing lately, and that was called Arizona. They went through in 96 and passed their law. And then in 98, they tried to repeal it. The legislation tried to repeal it. And anybody that anybody wants to correct me, please do, because my numbers aren't always exactly right. Exactly right. But in 98, they had to pass a Voter Protection Act so that the legislation, legislation couldn't take away those rights that they voted in for themselves. Um, this got tested again in, I believe, 2008. And what happened during that time period was basically they tried to go through and take the money out of several different funds that were voter initiative funds, and it's called sweeping accounts, and they were going to try to balance their budget with using people's money that had actually been well managed through a, a difficult time. They were going to sweep that. So when that happened, these different funds, one of them was called the Heritage Fund, they ended up being able to defend using that voter initiative law that passed in 1998 and protected any voter initiative um, law that went through basically cannot be affected by legislature in the Constitution of the Arizona um, uh, Arizona's Constitution. So what I'm saying at this point is if we end up with a bill that 
is not what we all hope it will be. We have to take all this momentum we've gathered throughout this entire industry, and we have to keep in touch with each other, keep this network that Ed's talking about. This isn't money, this is actually just on the ground footwork, and this is something we all have to do. And it basically comes down to stay in touch, keep informed, and talk, just like um, Talon said, talk to somebody every day about this. Because there's a lot of people that agree with us. There's way beyond what this room could hold of friends that probably each and every one of us have that care about this enough to at least vote. And here's the thing, for this uh, voter initiative to happen, we need those people to register to vote. It's on a website. We have it at our store. If anybody ever wants to know, you can email me at made at Total Ballistic, and I'll send you the website. But we need to get our people registered, because once again, Apathy is something that can be cured, and it's mainly upon the people that know those people that are there to inspire them. And that's kind of what my message, for whatever reason I'm up on this board, that's what I'm trying to push, is that now at this point, we're very much in danger of losing an industry that on many different averages, and everybody will probably argue with me, but I'd say $150 million in the Montana economy that's going to go to California and Oregon and Washington and everybody knows it is. We don't need that in our economy because honestly, we don't have any money anyway, so why take that and send it to other states? And that should be our argument for everybody at this point. If we're gonna win over anybody on the Tea Party side, and I know a lot of people, I know this sounds strange, but I'm a constitutionalist, I actually been a Tea Party person for a few months, and then I bailed out on that and went back to constitutionalists. But the important thing is, really, there's a way to convince these people, and it has to come down to economic sense and reduction of government. And that's what they're preaching, and if they're going to preach it, it's up to us to say, what about reduction of government, and how come we don't want to... The one time that I would be for a tax, the one time that I would be for a tax, and this is the one time they can tax it and help balance the budget, that should be our argument, at least in the future, it will be a more effective argument over the long term fighting against the, the, the right wing, as, as you know, many people put it. So I know this is kind of a strange speech, but that's, that's my whole activist speech, and I'm going to hand the microphone off now. Hey, everybody. My name is Chris Lindsay. I'm an attorney. I get involved in a lot of medical marijuana issues. I've got cases here and there, and I'm also involved to a certain extent on what's happening at the legislature. Um, you know, whoever thought civics class would mean anything. You know, uh, it was kind of lame when I took it. I wish I had paid more attention because, you know, it's kind of day in, day out now. Um, I think what's happened in our state is we've got a narrow minority of people who are able to manipulate our government to the point where it can work directly against the will of the people. Um, I think we've seen a situation since 2004 when over 60% of the population believes that medical marijuana has a role, that it should be used as, a, as a, an alternative for uh, individuals who need to take it as medicine. Um, and clearly they uh, are not willing to go down that path. Uh, 161 is a direct slap in the face of the voters. Um, 423 is uh, as close as they can get to prohibition. So, um, I feel like the only way for us to combat this is to get better organized, um, for us to uh, become a real a political movement, um, become something that uh, politicians are going to rely on for their own uh, well-being. Uh, 
I also am kind of now in a different camp. I've, I've recently decided that I've, I've kind of had enough of the arguing over how to treat this as medicine. I think it is important that it is uh, available as medicine to people. But I think the real issue is prohibition. I think if we can address that fundamental issue, then that is the best that we can do for these patients. We don't have to fool around with phone calls to law enforcement, phone calls to couriers and wait limits, and you know, you have to put no more than four plants in bloom when they're 12 inches tall, and you know, all this stuff is silly. Um, you know, at the same time they want to treat, they want to remind us that it's not medicine, they're doing their best to make sure that it is medicine. And it's just, the whole process is insulting. Like I said, I feel like uh, they're, they can manipulate the bureaucracy, they can manipulate the candidates. Uh, it's only when we're responsible for putting people uh, in their seats that it's really going to make a difference. And so I, if you've heard it before, I think the way to do that is for us all to make sure that we remain in contact with one another throughout this process. And it's very, very important that we get on a war footing in the sense that, um, look, each one of us uh, should be a Minuteman. Um, when the word goes out that it's time to call the governor's office, pick up the phone, dial right on the spot. Uh, if the word comes out the next day it's time to send an email, send the email. These are things that can be done in a matter of moments, and timeliness is everything. And it's our responsiveness, our ability to put boots on the ground, our ability to lick stamps, to stuff envelopes, to get behind candidates, it's a very, very powerful tool. We need to add it to our arsenal. Uh, we're at war. These, these uh, politicians have decided that we should be exterminated here in this state. Um, they want us gone. If we're willing to fight for our survival, those are the tools with which we must fight back. I just have a do a little uh, survey here, just just kind of for my own my own. Uh, Whatever. How many people here in this room voted for Initiative 148 in 2004? Okay. Large number of those people. Now, now keep your hands up. How many of you voted for just terminally ill people on their deathbeds and for a very, very small number of people in the state? Okay. Wow. We keep here. <laughs> we, we, keep, we keep hearing this over and over and over and over in, 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 on Capitol Hill. Oh, you know, this wasn't the will, this wasn't the intention of the voters. I'll tell you one thing. I voted for this initiative in 2004, and I was not a cannabis user. I voted for this initiative because it was a way to make cannabis less illegal. It was a way to keep people out of jail for using cannabis. It was a step in the right direction. And that's the reason why I voted for it. And I think that that's a very strong reason why the majority of the rest of the people in this state voted for it as well. Please, let your voice be heard. Let them know that, hey, we the voters didn't get it wrong. We weren't snowed. We weren't manipulated into voting this way. This is actually what we want. And if another voter initiative comes up in 2012, we'll have the opportunity to speak loud and clear once again. But we can speak loud and clear right now through letters, emails, phone calls, doing all the necessary things that we can to let those people who are in power right now making the decisions for us that this is what the people of the state of Montana want.
If you haven't already, please visit MontanaDrugPolicy.org and click on Action Alerts. And there are two easy ways to send email to the, the governor and uh, the, the full house uh, expressing opposition to the current proposals. The Montana normal email list is right over there. Um, before we get some questions, we'll just talk a little bit about oh, what some of these people do say, because we're there every day, and what hurts our ears so bad to hear, so bad to hear Representative Walker from Billings, Republican, say that uh, sometimes the voters get it wrong, and this time they clearly got it wrong. They just didn't know what they were doing. Then he went on to quote some scripture. I don't know where the hell that came from, but he decided that was a good thing to do, okay? Um, Senator Shockley, Republican on the committee, he called his expert witness. He didn't ask Chris, Kate, John, me, nobody that grew, no doctors, no chemists, nobody. He asked Sherry Brady. If anybody knows who Sherry Brady is, I'm going to tell you right now, she's the founder of Safe Kids, Safe Communities. This is an evil organization um, founded in the depths of hell by Satan himself. That's the truth. Because if they're going to lie about us, I'm going to lie about them. I really, well, I mean, remember the last 423 hearing case said, Ed, just come on up there and let him have it. Just joke around like you want to do so bad. Say, so, you know, we're helping billions of people in this state of Montana with marijuana. Billions. The police love what's going on. Every day we see that. I mean, really, the first hearing we had, we had 86 people, proponent, opponents to House Bill 161, the repeal bill, and they had 28. All 28 people said, re made a reference to how this is bad for children. Basically how, you know, in God's eyes, this probably isn't a good thing what we're doing. You know, we are the scourge. Um, you know, 28 people, all the same message. We have 86 people with facts, with real facts, real people. We had a preacher. We had doctors. We had lawyers. We have the real people behind this industry, and they didn't listen to one goddamn person. Not one person that they listen to on our side. They listen to 28 people that don't know a goddamn thing. A lady that owns a taco store. She owns a taco store in Billings, and she knows more than any one of us. So that's got to end. That's it. You know, that does have to end, and it starts ending now with these questions. So, Logan, give that microphone to people. Where is he? There you are. Anybody have any questions, we'll answer them for you. Sure. I just wondering how many of these legislators we got in this state, how many of them are doctors? None. I don't know. A couple preachers. So, how many of our legislators are doctors? We have witch doctors. <laughs> I don't think there is a doctor, actually, and that is odd. My name is Wayne Bisbee. Uh, I just had a question for uh, Lindsay Law Office. Uh, I grow in my house, and I have my son on weekends. And I uh, was just really curious on, uh, I, I went to the Sheriff's Department to try to get the questions uh, answered as far as I built a wall in my house, and I got a lock on that. Um, I've dealt with other lawyers, but I can't really get an honest answer on what is going to happen when the cops show up in my house. So I'd like to know if you do. Well, yeah, if you want to know what would happen if they show up at your house, um, well, first is they would want to count your plans and your cards. Um, they may decide that they need to inform Child and Family Services. If they, especially if they feel like you've crossed the line. Frankly, they may do it anyway. 
Um, child and family services then would, uh, within a pretty short period of time, set, like within 24 hours, even send somebody out to kind of assess the situation. Um, there are what are called mandatory reporters in our state, and those are certain types of jobs that if you're, if you're in that type of position and you see a child who has been subject to any number of things, um, that you are required to call child and family services. And, and with respect to marijuana, it would be that the child is affected by it. Well, we don't know what that means, right? So it's pretty subjective. And so uh, whether or not they would call CFS is, is an issue. Um, I know in some parts of the state, they absolutely would. I, I know of a person who uh, the hospital actually did. Um, and so what CFS will do is anybody's guess, because there are no standards that that department has developed. Um, there do seem to be three areas of concern. Um, and I'm not saying these are the only ones, but they're the ones that I hear the most consistently. Um, the first would be uh, impaired parenting. You know, the idea that it's no different than alcohol in the household. Um, at least it, last summer, CFS's attitude was, well, we'll treat it more or less like alcohol. Uh, we understand that adults can be, you know, can drink occasionally. It doesn't mean that we can take their kids. Um, but it can still be a problem at a certain so obviously that's also subjective, but it's not just this we're clamping down and you're screwed. Um, the the next one would be um, having a situation where a child could become medicated, you know, so that would come in the form of smoking in front of them, which they're going to assume is is off limits because of uh, secondhand smoke, the possibility that they could get dosed that way. See, no science there, but we're dealing with biases once you get down to the subjective level. Um, and another, another area I would just point out is, you know, if you've got edibles, uh, those, those could be tempting to kids without even them realizing what it is, and, and the potential there is, is great for there to be harm and something to be concerned with if you're a parent. Uh, and then the third would be um, access to the grow area and the natural hazards that just from having a lot of wattage going, having kind of semi-construction situation. Uh, and so, you know, those are the things that I hear about and, and I think can at least give us something to, to, to focus on and think about having kids. But certainly, uh, don't smoke in the house. That's, a, that's an instant red flag. Uh, CFS is not beyond asking your kids whether or not they see you smoke to get to that, that kind of questions. And I, I have one question. Sure. Um, as far as people that work for us, uh, we do the best to keep them safe. Uh, we've uh, taken a couple of our people down and they've had to sign up for medicine. And, um, you know, what, that doesn't really give us a whole lot of peace of mind as far as, uh, you know, but with that, I don't know where we got on to sign these people up. But the way that we, I've read the law it says the only person that's allowed to touch, process, grow, deliver cannabis is the caregiver. Yep, and that's uh, for a long time we've kind of lived in a bubble where it looked like uh, law enforcement understood that to a certain extent there's going to be cooperation. I mean, even the city of Missoula has on their application listed the people that you're working with. Um, but um, 
I don't think we can really expect that to last. Um, you know, I, I had a phone call with uh, Andrew Paul, the prosecuting attorney in, in Missoula, uh, Friday, and asked him, you know, is there any kind of latitude here? He flat out, no. Um, you're an island unto yourself. That means you do your own marketing, you do your own sales, you're your own gardener, your own chef, testing. Um, the only person that can do that is a caregiver. Employees are not okay. I, I would imagine he'd say co-located grow ops are not okay, but I'm not sure about how that works. If, you know, we get we get back in the murkiness of the Medical Marijuana Act pretty quickly, but I think we're going to hear more and more from law enforcement the attitude that uh, cooperation is is going to be discouraged. So I have a question for uh, Kate because I think you would best answer this question. Um, so let's say SB uh, 453 reaches the governor's desk, which it most likely will, and he admits the hell out of it to make it more open, an open market to where it is now, but yet much more regulated, but not decreasing the patients all the way down to 2,000, uh, hopefully creating jobs um, and a variety of other things. And then it goes back to the legislator, and obviously they're going to disagree on everything. What happens then? Is, do you think he'll basically just veto everything and the law will remain unchanged? Or? Well, I think I can tell you here's some things that could happen, you know, but as to which one do I think will, you know, I, I don't know that I could say that. But um, so I do think this bill could go into conference committee um, that I described um, and then from there go to the governor. Um, the governor could choose to do an amendatory veto in which the uh, governor's office takes out bad stuff, puts in good stuff, we hope, and then sends it back to the legislature. Um, but like I say, if he does put in good stuff, they will reject it. So um, that will not, a good bill will not come out of this legislature. So that could leave the governor with nothing. So if the governor has no bill to work with, um, and, and has, let, let's say, rejects repeal, then another bill that's still out there is putting it on the ballot. So I think that that's going to move forward no matter what. But then what happens in those two years, I think, is kind of the question. Um, and there, there is some room in administrative rules um, for them to do some things to try to create some structure. But I don't, my understanding is there's not enough latitude within rules to really create the functional sort of infrastructure that we need to keep everybody protected, you know, so people know what you can do and what you can't. But I would assume that if they get nothing to work with, that um, they will just use to the best of their ability administrative rules to, to try, try to create infrastructure. I think as to whether or not he gets a bill, right now the game is, um, you know, sort of musical chairs. They, you know, they, I think they want to run the clock out. So if he gets a bad bill, he can't fix it and send it back to them. So haha, he's the one then who has to veto it. Where he'd want to throw something back to them, but if they reject it, they're the ones. You know, so who's the one who didn't pass something? You know, and I think people are looking at the clock to play with that. And I think also something to keep in mind, I mean, it would be unusual, but I just, everything about this has been unusual. So, you know, House Bill 68, that was the summer interim committee bill, it's still sitting in committee. 
You know, there's there's other Senator Vukovic had a, a bill um, um, uh, up the other day. It's still there, and they could actually suspend the rules to pull one of these sleepers, you know, into the game at, at any point. I mean, they would need supermajorities in some cases to do it, but there are sleeper bills out there that if something blows up, for all we know, new horse, you know, coming around the bend. So. Anyone else? I think, any questions? Thank you. That, that, that's been so difficult with the House is that they've very, very clearly stated their intention. And their intention with this, the legislature's intention with this, is to repeal this act. This will be the very first voter sponsored initiative ever in the history of the state of Montana to be repealed by the legislature. I think that that sets a very, very frightening precedent for all of us. Not just for this issue, but for many other issues out there as well. And so they've, they've clearly stated that repeal is what they want, and if they cannot get repeal, they will get something as close to repeal as they possibly can, rather than responsibly um, regulating this industry like, like the, everybody, the people, the people in the state of Montana are clamoring for them to responsibly regulate this industry, not to repeal it, and they're so bullheaded about this issue that that's all that their focus has been on. That's the reason why common sense regulatory bills like HB 68, SB 154, and the Gray Bill, and all of these other bills died because they were so sure that repeal was going to have to get through, and that's the only thing that they focused on, that they really are not interested in looking at responsible regulatory bills. And we can use that to your advantage. Uh, it, what what Talon says, what we're dealing with is, is basically bigotry. By definition, it's hatred in the absence of fact. These people are, are determined, as Chris said, to eradicate. And consumers, and producers across the state, regardless of the information you provide them, regardless of how sound your argument is, they're just not going to listen. They're going to do what they want. And I think in that regard, uh, there's been an, almost an error in strategic approach uh, since 2004, where the reform movements placed the cart before the horse, and we've overlooked uh, our greatest resource and what this movement's actually about, and that's its populism. It's you guys, the people, it's you guys, the voters, and uh, no one. History of Canada's reform, to my knowledge, has successfully been able to lobby any government to legalize or legitimize the use of marijuana. It's happened through the initiative process, through voters. Because if you're a politician, you can't look soft on drugs and get reelected. Uh, that's that's the fear right now. So uh, this is a populist movement, and in, in that vein, I believe we still have nullification on the table. If we do get stuck with a nasty law like four four twenty three, I think House Bill sixty eight is terrible. Uh, and I wasn't a big fan of 154 either. You know, like Tam said, we're not going to get anything good out of this legislature. It was just kind of my thoughts from the get-go. Uh, but uh, if there is a nasty law, you guys in Montana do reserve the right to nullify any act of the legislature. And through petition gathering, signature gathering drives, we can suspend whatever the legislature does until the 2012 uh, November ballot election. So I'd be ready for the petitions to hit you guys and to start as everyone said, register your patients to vote, get your patients involved. Uh, carriers are the focalizers, they're the focal point for this whole movement. And so you guys are basically the infrastructure needed to, to run a legalization campaign for cannabis to reform policy here. In, in that respect, please, please, please sign the action list at the cannabinalysis booth. 
Um, if you are not a registered voter, there are voter registration forms there. Fill them out. I will turn them in for you on Monday. If you leave me that information on the clipboard there, I will use that to contact you when we have a nullification or whatever petition we plan on putting together to fight back whatever piece of garbage the legislature is going to leave us with for the next two years. Um, the time for putting in those uh, petitions and for getting the signatures collected on those petitions is extremely limited. And we have a very short time frame to get those filled out, which is why I need your information. I will be calling you, emailing you, and say, please, where can we meet? I need your signature. And that's why I need to get as many people as I can to sign that board. I'd, I'd like to refer everybody to Normal's email list, too. In Normal's uh, <clears throat> database, they have set up on their website. I think right now, if we start consolidating our voter base, and that seems to be the most viable format for that. So check out John's site, Montana Normal. Uh, get on the email list, have your information listed there, because if we do need to get a hold of you guys rapidly, uh, it's just there. I just want to clarify, when I say 68, you know, Senate Bill 193 are still out there as sleepers, by no means do I mean and they would move forward as written. What I mean is the bill is sitting there and they can gut it and they can stick something else in there and move it. So I certainly don't think any of those bills as written are the ones that would be utilized. It would just be the vehicle. My name is Tom Charlton and I, this is for Chris Lindsley. I'd like to know what happened in the uh, court case the other day Judge Larson uh, said no caregiver to caregiver, and where, where is that going now? Okay. Uh, well, the, the case was uh, brought because local law enforcement basically did a smash and grab, which they, they like to do. They'll roll in on a business and take everything they've got. They'll, take all their, they'll cut down all their plants, they'll take their inventory, take all the patient files and computers and uh, say, well, it's because of the way we read the law. And the reality is, is that um, it's not up to them to figure out what the law means. It's up to them to enforce what's there. And so my client um, had a genuine question. And uh, the, the county, through, through their uh, county attorney, acknowledged that, yeah, that there are a couple of ways to interpret the statute. We felt like we needed to have our, our day report to explain that and to have our side heard. And uh, unfortunately, in this in this county, our argument wasn't successful, and so uh, we did get a ruling that caregiver to caregiver is not included within the Medical Marijuana Act. Um, we've got a similar case uh, in another county, and uh, we're looking, of course, to to get a different result there. Um, I think that it's the only real answer if what you're after is uh, meeting what the original voters intended. Um, I know that it's, it's one of the easiest things in the world to talk about what the voters intended when it's like making it up, you know, how do we know what they intended? Uh, we don't know what they meant at the time and it's seven years after the fact. Um, so I do think that the voters intended to be able to get access to cannabis as an option. And if the caregiver cannot ever actually acquire it from any source, how is he ever going to provide it? And uh, that wasn't addressed by our court. Uh, there were several, I think, pretty important discussions there that kind of got glossed over. So uh, we hope to explore those further in some of these other counties. The decision is being made right now as to whether or not to appeal this out of this county, uh, or if we wait for the inevitable, inevitable appeal if we were to win in one of the other counties. Um, and then a third option would be to uh, 
bring a new cause of action just based on a whole different set of criteria. Caregiver to caregiver is kind of a dirty term to law enforcement. And so maybe if we can get away from that and get into more just the practical aspects of working on behalf of another person uh, and some of the constitutional rights that sort of come with having access to something that's lawful, uh, that might give us a, a whole new track uh, instead of going into the Supreme Court playing defensively. So that's, those decisions are going on right now. We have a little bit of time before we have to make the decision on whether or not we go to the Supreme Court on this. How many uh, different organizations are represented up here in this panel? Hang on one second. I want to introduce Ed Rosenthal, the gentleman over here, a horticulturist in uh, our industry for many years, writes many books, just to let you know who the new guy on the panel is. We get to bring some pretty famous people to Montana, don't we? Yeah. For this, always. That's awesome. Um, your question was, who do we all represent? How, how many different organizations are represented on the panel? I, I, I'm a character. Matter of fact, I'm the dude who's in the independent yesterday as far as that article goes. I want to know who to give my money to. Yeah. Everybody asks me that one, boy. It's tough. I think I'm part of everything, so uh, I say everybody. I would love, I would love to know the answer to this question. There's, there's different organizations out there. I don't belong to any of them right now. Uh, there's reasons for that. I, I hear all the reasons. I'm probably the only person in the state that's pretty much been in almost every single dispensary. Over a hundred grows. I have pretty much met most of these people, and and I am somebody that um, I'm a good fundraiser, but it's tough because everybody asks me the same question you ask. I say we're all fighting for the same damn thing, you know. What if the groups up here just give like two or three sentences of what their focus is to answer the question? Is that something that I do? Where I'm going with this though is it's ridiculous to have have however many groups we have. We need to get. Exactly. Uh, we there is new proposal. There are new proposals out there. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there's a tavern association. When they try to close a tavern down in the neighborhood, the tavern association is behind them. Um, Who do I give my money? We don't have a tavern association. We don't have a dispensary association. We don't have. Um, yeah. Well, we're gonna. We're gonna. We're starting. I, I would recommend if, if you have to make a donation. Uh, First and foremost, at this point, I'd probably kick it to Montana Normal uh, because they're the most established, uh, probably the single most effective advocacy group we do have. And John works very closely with, with all of us with the different uh, not, not for profit advocacy groups. So I, I think he's kind of, Normal's been the glue that's holding all of this together. And I would kick your support uh, that way. Uh, first and foremost, it's just my personal recommendation. And I, I get the splitters argument, uh, the Monty Python splitter sketch. I've, I've uh, made that comparison before, but I, you know, I think diversity isn't necessarily a bad thing. You have different sort of perspective from all the different groups. So the MMGA approaches this issue as a trade union. MRL approaches this as a patient advocacy public education group. Uh, Normal uh, is a public education group, an advocacy group, a reform group. So everyone has a different approach, a slightly different flavor. And I would honestly recommend getting on Facebook and liking MMGA's page, liking MRL's page, liking Montana Normal's page, liking Patients and Families United page, because you're going to get a broad spectrum of news, you're going to get all the opinions, and you can formulate your own opinion the best way. Sometimes there's there's an advantage to having a plethora of groups out there. So, 
You're right, Doug. That's exactly what I tell people, just like you. They're very frustrated. They don't know who the hell to give their money to. I tell you, my organization, my company, whatever one it is at the time I'm working for, gives their money to everybody, to be honest with you. Every single organization I have donated to. Because I'm as confused as you are. Um, at some point, it is up to you, though, to study what these organizations are about. We all have websites. We all have Facebook pages. And you are, it is up to you to do your research to find out who you would support the most, much like a political candidate. You've got a candidate that wants to allow abortion, you agree with that, you vote for him. You got one that doesn't, you don't vote for him, much like advocacy groups. You know what they're about. You know normal is about legalization. You know the MMGA is about a trade organization. The Alliance for Cannabis Science, which is Kate, is a part of, is, is into the science about the plant. So if you're interested in cannab cannabinoids, oh, that's a tough word. I don't, want, I don't want to describe it myself. The Alliance for Cannabis Science, what we've been is a full-time political lobbying effort, trying to lobby on behalf of legislation that creates a competitive, quality-driven piece of legislation and, you know, that's clean and creates a competitive marketplace. I don't know how many of these people, I mean, how many of our organizations are set up to take tax-deductible donations. Um, the, the other thing is that we should know is that we... We are all working together. Um, we really are. We have different. We have different perspectives. You know, John. John with normals, obviously, he's for full legalization, and he's not hiding that. Um, um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, uh, MRL. They're the they're the they're the dust raisers, man. They get in there with their knuckles and they like start rattling the, the, the legislators. And MMGA is a trade organization, and Alliance for Cannabis Science is a science-based organization. We're trying to push forward science and, and, and not fear, and let's not be terrified of a weed. Um, so we, we are all, we do all work together. We're in constant communication, and we're all, if you watch on public access television when your government is a part of work, those, uh, those, hard work, those hearings, we're all at them, testifying almost every time somebody's, somebody or all of us is there. Um, and, and we encourage you to be involved with all of us. And, and I know you probably hate Facebook, and I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> I'm with you, baby. But I am entrenched in that thing just because of this industry. And we are on, we are on what is going on in the legislature right now every minute. And if, you know, Kate is watching them every minute in Helena. That's what she lives for right now. She's not happy about that. But that's what she lives for right now. And she's keeping in touch with all of us every minute of what's going on in the legislature and, and keeping us on top of who needs to contact what. And John is building these, these uh, email lists where all you have to do is click, write your name and address, put in a message like, I hate 161, and press send. That's all you have to do. There's nothing even complicated about it. Anybody can be on these email alerts, and he'll tell you when it's particularly critical for your person and your residents and your uh, district to send this email alert and what to say. And he'll, it's, it's, all, it's all being done for you. But yes, there are several organizations here. Please feel free to contribute to any of them. I think, too, at the legislature, it's been good to have several groups as opposed to just one voice, one voice, one voice, and to come at it from different angles. And I think even as one goes through their year, I, mean, I think normal is a steady presence trying to get things done. During legislative sessions, I think it's helpful to fund groups that are doing the lobbying effort. If there's a court case going on that's pending, who's, you know, supporting that? So, you know, I think 
you know, putting the pressure in different places at different times, you know, put your $20 here, put your $50 here, put your $10 there. Um, anyway, that's how I see it. So I wanted to hand over the mic to you, Mr. Ed Rosenthal, because I think he has a few different things he wants to say. Any of you guys know, he was uh, one of the people who were federally rated in California, and he's had quite an experience, uh, I would say, dealing with that raid, and I, I think he wants to talk a little bit about that, and uh, I'm going to head over the mic to him. I think we should give him a round of applause. He basically uh, flew all the way from Colorado, lives in Oakland, and really appreciate him coming out to Montana. So. I had uh, years of experience. I'm not going to talk about my court case. If anybody wants to know about it, you can just look it up. <laughs> well documented. A lot of information done. But what I want to talk about is the frustration of dealing with politicians. And, uh, you know, uh, something, something happens to people when they get involved in politics, and something even worse happens to them when they get elected. And uh, they forget their constituencies, and we're seeing that with Obama now. They forget uh, what they initially came into office to do. They forget who their supporters were, and they develop a new group of associates who often advise them to dump them, so to dump us. But the reality is that in, in Montana, marijuana is more popular than any politician. No politician gets elected with the numbers that marijuana won. And that's one of the reasons they hate marijuana, because they go mirror on the wall, who's the most popular of them all, it goes pop, and it just freaks them out. Because they think that they're so great that, you know, everybody should expect you know, should respect them more than pot. But, you know, pot never told a good pot never told a lie. <laughs> so, I'm really tired of dealing with politicians. And I'm really tired of the legislative process. Because, uh, you know, I don't know how many times you've heard up there, well, I really support you, but I can't. But personally, I do. Well, thanks a lot. Would you want to make a contribution? Oh, I couldn't do that. So, so, you know, uh, and I'm sure that you folks have all dealt with that. And, with, and, uh, and here, also, you have a whole, you know, when you're dealing with Republicans, let me put it this way, it just came to me two days ago. You know, um, when the Soviet Union was around, the, uh, the leader would propose some legislation, and then the legislature would just rubber stamp it. And everybody there would be afraid to vote against it. Because if they voted against it, they would at least be thrown out of the party, thrown out of the legislature, maybe thrown in jail. Well, worse in, in the United States, not just Montana, but all of the United States, the Republicans are one step away from it. The only thing that they don't do is throw the people in jail. So anybody, for instance, anybody, any Republican who wanted to vote for the budget, you know, uh, in D.C., they would have been thrown out of the Republican Party had they voted for the budget. So that there's no free will in the Republican Party. So it basically becomes a rubber stamp legislature run 
by one or two people, by a few leaders who might not even be in the legislature. And anybody who wants to use their own mind or be a free thinker is then thrown out of the party. So what we have here is a Soviet-style political party that's functioning in the United States. And if there were, if there were some sort of legislation, these, these people would be, uh, it could be antitrust legislation. But somebody told, somebody said to me that uh, the Republican Party in the United States is like the Communist Party in Soviet Russia. It's an illegal, illegitimate party. And I'm very close to seeing it when I see that anytime somebody has an idea that differs from the leadership's idea, they're immediately, not only is the idea discarded, but the creator of the idea is discarded. So, since Montana is controlled by a Republican legislature, you're not going to get anything good out of it. Right? I mean, do we all agree on that? There's nothing good that's going to come out. Everybody here has said nothing's going to. So why work with it? Why put your effort into it? And here's because no matter what effort you put into it, it's going to have no effect on them. They don't care about you. You don't exist. They look right through you. And, you know, this is kind of a foolish thing because pot's more popular than they are. So, I have two suggestions, and you know, these are suggestions like, you know how to win at bowling? You know, you get all 10 pins down 13 times and you win. So this is sort of like the suggestion that I'm going to give to you. So, first of all, I think, um, I think that you shouldn't count on the legislature for anything, but you count on the initiative process. Because whereas politicians are real people in a lot of ways, people are real people. And they vote what they think and what they feel. And I, my take on it is that people who did not vote for marijuana in Montana, including people who are members of the Republican Party, who didn't vote for it, are still pissed that the legislature went and took away the people's right to legislate. Because, that, because if they're trying to modify this legislation, they're saying they don't trust the people. And, and, and the, the issue isn't even marijuana, it's way beyond marijuana. It's whether the people's voice counts. And I don't think that we should, this should be just done as a marijuana issue. Uh, somebody talked about the uh, uh, legislation that, uh, that the legislature couldn't annul uh, uh, initiatives in, in another state, was that? In, in Arizona. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily suggesting this, but what I am suggesting is that is in framing this, it's not just an issue of marijuana, it's an issue of Montanans having a real voice in their government. And I think that's one of the ways that it should be framed, rather than, it's a broader issue than marijuana. In other words, no matter, like, what the legislature is saying is that they are wiser and have more wisdom than the electorate. And I don't think so. And I don't think most Montanans, even if they're opposed to marijuana, I don't think that they think that. I think that they think that, I think, I think, now, I haven't met anybody like this, so I mean, this is just coming out of my head. It's not out of research. But I, I think that there are a certain number of people who 
people have been opposed to marijuana, but, but still say, you know, if the people voted for this, this, that's what it should be, right? I mean, that's what, that's what government is about. It's about majority rule. So it would be one thing if, if there was another initiative to, to remove marijuana, and they might vote for that, but they still might think if the people voted for this, then that's what it should be. And I think there are, you know, like, this is, what I've noticed in this state as compared with California is that people have a lot more confidence in the role of the people and, uh, and, and um, they, they, they don't, they're not as, uh, I don't know, you know, it, they're not as jaundiced as people in California, for instance, say really, people here really believe that the government can be for the people and that they can affect it. So part of the thing is to show that this legislature is not reflecting the people's view. That's the first thing. It's not just about it's not just about marijuana, but this people, that the legislature is trying to negate the people's vote. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, you know, and together with that, you have this thing about the Republicans. And then the other thing that I think is that you should put a new initiative on the ballot and get the Democrat and work with the Democratic Party to perhaps, or elements of the Democratic Party, to get it on the ballot and to have it win. And then the second thing that I think you should do is look at all the Republicans who, or, or all the politicians who are speaking out against and choose one politician, with perhaps the most vulnerable one, who is not termed out, and then go after him. And here's what I would like to see. I'd like to see ads by the marijuana patients, the patients who are the most needy, the patients with MS, with severe joint diseases, with these rare diseases that aren't treatable with anything except marijuana, and have ad after ad asking that politician why he, you know, all, she's, all that patient is looking for is quality of life, right? They're not going to get cured. They're not going to get better. But they have a right to live a life without pain and with a high quality of life. And to just on TV, in ads, ask over and over during the campaign, why do you want me to suffer? Why do you, don't you want me to have my medicine? Over and over until this, the politicians can't stand it, until they try to double track, and you don't let them double track, and you defeat them. And then you say, who's next? And I just, I just want to say one other thing. Uh, Ed mentioned that he was going to put in $100 a month, and there are you know, so many of these dispensaries. Well, I think not only should the dispensaries put in money every month, and it should be based on a percentage of their gross, you know, in other words, if they if they grow twenty thousand a month, maybe one percent or something, that would be two hundred dollars a month. If they grow fifty thousand, maybe five hundred dollars a month. Because it, you know, what this is is a jobs issue for the criminal justice system. But now it's also a jobs issue for us, and it's a health issue for us. So we have we beat them. We have health and we have jobs. They only have jobs. So. <laughs> So what we should be doing is actually uh, developing a, a strategy to be on the ballot and to defeat at least 
one or two of the politicians who are most opposed to us. I think it's very doable in this state. And, uh, and I, I think that what, what will happen is that there'll be a change once a couple of those guys are thrown out. And as for the legislation, here in terms of, if there's a new initiative, there are a couple of things that I would say. I would say in the initiative, you should take marijuana out of the police department, all marijuana out of the police department, and put it in the health department. Not the agriculture department, put it in the health department. And then the agricultural part of it can certainly stay in the agricultural department, but get it out of the police. So if the police come, let's say the police come, and they go into your garden, and they wreck the garden, they, they have no right to be there. And it's a 1983 civil rights suit. And what that basically says is that you can sue the individual cop because he was using his, he was using his badge, his position with the government, to, uh, to do something that was illegal that he had no right to do. So basically, when that cop comes in, if it was under the health department, that cop is committing a burglary and whatever else and can be arrested for it, tried for it, and then is personally liable for it. And if his sergeant or some supervisor told him to do it, he comes into it also. And so once that happens a couple of times, nice house, keep paying the mortgage, you know, once that happens a couple of times, the police will be, will, will move back. But I say take the police, take the criminal justice system, out of it and put it under civil regulation the same way that we have uh, with alcohol, which is civilly regulated. Then the cops aren't there. They don't have a part of it. See, here's what the thing is. It's a jobs issue for cops. And because $30 billion a year nationwide to, to enforce a pot emission, and that 70% of the drug arrests are for pot. So, it's a big jobs issue for them. It's it's a minimum of five percent of their of their budget, but it might rise because you know uh, uh, marijuana users get longer sentences and things like that. So it might actually be more than five percent, but it's a minimum of five percent of the criminal justice budget, and that's what they're fighting about. They're fighting about it because it's a jobs issue, and so you're never going to get cops who like the pot who want pot legal. You know, you might get a few individuals, but you'll never get a pot organization. And you know, you meet that cop who says, oh, well, personally, I don't mind it. You know, I think it should be legal, you know. Then say, well, why don't you, why don't the two of us go to your union and we'll tell them that. Because why don't we, you know, why don't we go to the union and bring up that this union is opposed to marijuana the anti-marijuana laws. Because it doesn't matter whether that individual cop, how he feels. It doesn't matter if a whole group of them feel that marijuana should be legal. If they're not willing to do anything to change that law, like within their own organization, they don't exist. It doesn't matter what they tell you. You don't have any power. Well, did you ever say that to your buddy who's a cop? You know, I mean, you ask one cop, did you ever tell your fellow cop like, oh, I couldn't tell him that. So, then what good are they? So it doesn't really, all of that crap doesn't matter. What really matters is the votes. 
And here in Montana, you have easily have the votes to put in new legislation that will put this under the health department. The cops are out of it. They're out. They're out. What are you doing in my house? Get out or I'll call the police on you. Reasons all the cops are there is because we don't have regulations, and in order to get it under civil management, it means we have to pass a regulatory bill because the initiative, as it stands, does not regulate. But but I'm but I'm saying, do a new bill, do a new initiative. It's a flex a little bit of our political clout. Yeah, 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 what I'm saying is actually do a new a new initiative that takes it out of the criminal justice system, takes it out of takes it away from the cops. Puts it in the health department, well, and I then, and then, you see, because well, the cops, it's not really in the criminal justice system. I mean, it's not housed there. It's just they act against but, it as a uh, right, federally illegal substance. Right, but they're not regulating it. Right, but but let's say let let's take uh, pharmaceuticals. So it's illegal to to uh, you know fake a prescription, forge a prescription, things like that. But actually, it's mostly handled civilly, not in the criminal justice system. You know, the, the regulation of prescriptions. I'm saying take the regulation out of the out of the criminal justice system, totally out of. But the, the way you do that is by regulating. No, the way you do it is by initiative and say it shall be regulated by the health department, not the criminal justice system. Or by agriculture. No, well, no. So are you saying that you think that the initiative should be a regulatory initiative as opposed to a decriminalization initiative? Well, it will be decriminalization, but part of it says, in that decriminalization initiative says, and this shall be handled by the health department, not the police department. And I think you can not the criminal justice system. Realistically, we both look at there's alcohol control boards and, and whatnot. So you, 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 I'm not a fan of decriminalizing. I'm a tax and regulator sort of guy. And then you tax and regulate uh, cannabis cons consumption for all responsible adults, and then you build a regulatory oversight board, and you take it out of the criminal justice system. No, 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 no. You see, if, if you if you don't do it in the initiative, then it won't ever get out of the police. Right. Yeah. So you have in the initiative, you have to have a regular, you have to have set up that the health department will set up the regulatory. You know, it seems to me the recurring theme at the table here has been populism, that, that this is a very strong movement, that we have numbers in the hundreds of thousands across the country, more than 100,000 in the state of Montana, and, and we haven't flexed that muscle yet effectively. We haven't uh, had the voter turnout, we haven't displaced uh, elected officials who just harbor hatred for us. Uh, until we start doing that, we're not going to be taken seriously. So uh, I know MRL is going to be actively campaigning against uh, a lot of these, the nastier lawmakers in the next election cycle. And our plan is to set up different uh, political action committees uh, to, to uh, target specific demographics. So you know, David Howard, for example, comes from a very uh, prohibitionist part of Cascade County. And uh, so to certain demographics, you say, well, David Howard voted for a regulation bill in the House committee. He legitimized the use of marijuana to different demographics. You say, well, he voted for a prohibition. He sent it to the younger demographics. So you screw them one way or the other, and that's until we start displacing these politicians, electing our own candidates, we, we are going to continue to stall. And, and I think we've overlooked our most valuable resource here. Uh, strategically, we've been approaching this from the top down instead of building from the bottom up. Uh, and we're talking to career politicians who aren't going to listen to what we said. They haven't listened. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say, I think that legislature sucks. We all know that. But I think we're foolish if we don't recognize people like 
Senator Caparo and Senator Wanzenreid and Senator Van Dyke and even Republican Terry Murphy, and there are people who are carrying our water. And I think when you go and you say, they all suck and we're not gonna support them, and you don't be specific. I, I, I think it's just not it's politically smart to not recognize your friends. Maybe, maybe I'm not being clear with that because I, you know, I, I think that there, there are people you definitely want to target who are elected officials, but there's Absolutely. definitely friends out there. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, we have far fewer friends in the legislature than we do enemies at this point. And so until we change that dynamic, right. you're not going to see any good regulatory model come out of the legislature. It's going to have to be the initiative process. And I think it is all about knocking out the politicians. You know, and I just want to say, like, when I started lobbying for the first time for the women's lobby in 1991, I didn't realize when I started that they had taken out a candidate the election before. I was green. I didn't realize it. And I didn't realize until halfway through the session that when I walked up to the mic and said I was with the Montana Women's Lobby, I was wielding a power that I did not know I had. I just thought I was a first-time scared person. You know, and then I finally realized, oh, just because I'm that group and that group took out that very particular person, when I talk, people listen, not due to anything. You know, that had to do with my experience. You know, so I think going after the, the elections is definitely. It's the only solution. This is this is a populist argument, and it's not a marijuana issue, like I was saying. This is an issue about civil liberties, constitutionalism, uh, God-given liberty. Uh, it's, it's about being an American and your body, your choice, your right to choose, and your right to live free from harassment from law enforcement. Uh, this isn't peacekeeping, it's, it's policing and harassment. So it, it's, it's, it's not about pot. It's, it's about your God-given liberty. It is that serious. Uh, yeah. I just... Uh, since we're talking about this and, and, and how much power we actually do have as an organization, um, if you look at the election results for Initiative 148 in each of the House districts, there's 100, 100 House districts that are in the state of Montana. There were only three House districts in this whole state that voted for Initiative 148 by 50% or less. The vast majority of them voted for this initiative, and, and if you look at the results of the candidates who were elected in those House districts, in almost every case, Initiative 148 won by a significantly larger amount than the candidate who was elected in those in those House districts. I mean, there were a few exceptions where candidates ran, ran unopposed and got 100 percent of the vote, but in almost every House district, Initiative 148 won by a significantly larger amount than the candidate who was elected in that House district. That shows you exactly how powerful we are. Hot as popular. <laughs> are you trying to say we like pop more than politicians? That's kind of weird. Um, anybody else has questions, just find us. We're going to be around. We'll be around tomorrow, too. We're looking for a lot bigger turnout tomorrow. We've got Senator Wazenreed speaking at 1 o'clock. Um, we hear there's uh, all kinds of media from all over the place coming and check it out. Um, again, like I said, ask any of us any questions you want. We've got a lot of work to do here. We're going to have Misty come up on stage. I want to thank everybody who came, all the vendors, everybody that's not afraid. They want to come out. They want to Show us how proud we are of this industry.